This is a show about content marketing for established, sophisticated online businesses. Unlike other shows about marketing, we focus on sustainable, measurable content creation, how to authentically automate your marketing to build up your know, like, and trust factor with a nurtured, engaged audience between launches, and get back to actually living your life instead of working to live. Hey, hey, friends. It is sadly going to be the end of our Shiny Happy Tactics series soon. And as I said in a recent email, you know, I have not yet broken out into a scary rendition of the REM classic, but there's still time. We still have, you know, a few moments where that might happen. I won't even warn you. It'll just like be a breakout in song moment. And maybe I'm waxing poetic here because it's actually sunny in Portland. Thank goodness. Hoo-hoo. Or maybe it's just because the landscapers finally left. So in a moment into Brittany's life window here, I live in a neighborhood of old people. And I don't mean old as in like they're just getting their first AARP letter. I mean old as in just last week, I gave my phone number to one of our neighbor's daughter and she herself has grandchildren. Yeah, I'm that person. I check in on all the the elderly neighbors because, you know, good people do things like that. But (laughs) digression here aside, we're going to be talking about something that I've been wanting to cover for this entire Shiny Happy Tactics series. So back on topic here, that is content sprints. I think this episode's going to be a little more brief because the idea of a content sprint is fairly self-explanatory. It's just the embracing of it that might be tough. So we're going to talk about what they are, how do you set one up, and yes, how painful it could potentially be. That said, let's dive in to content spritz, where grit, creativity, and caffeine collide to bring your ideas to life. All right, here we go. Are you tired of your content falling flat? Feeling like you're always one step behind your competitors who have that very widespread web presence that you've been desiring? If so, it is time to shake things up with a content sprint. We are going to, yes, say goodbye to playing catch up and hello to turbocharged content creation. And if you think I'm covering this because I'm like, yay, yay, everyone content all the time, let's do it. No, no, that is not the case. In fact, I have done many, many podcast episodes on stepping off the content creation hamster wheel. So I'm going to call it out right here. Employing a content sprint is one of the ways you can step off the content creation hamster wheel. Yes, committing to a small time period with great results means that you can lean on that again and again and again. Here's the big idea. These babies will have your back when it comes to tackling a tough content problem, implementing a crucial part of your content strategy that's currently missing, or leveling up your skills. Whether you have external support or not, we're going to cover how you can make this happen in your business. So in this episode, we are going to cover what a content sprint is and why it's important for elevated online businesses. We'll dive into how to set one up, including talking about how long it should be and how to make the most of your time. And yes, we're going to address potential pain points along the way, how to overcome them, especially when it comes to things like burnout. And then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about measuring the success of your content sprint and how you can get started on one right away. So first, what is a content sprint? It is a specific concentrated period that involves creating and promoting high quality content in a short amount of time. They can be really useful for businesses looking to create momentum, establish their brand voice, or rebrand themselves. 
also for micro businesses and for established online service businesses for consultants and seasoned experts and whatnot. Content sprints are a fantastic way to create content and build your evergreen content library. A content sprint is like a turbo boost for your online business. It's about going all in with a laser focus. Yes, a topical laser focus and creating and delivering top-notch content. And it is an intense period of supercharged content creation so you can take your online presence to the next level for whatever goal that you have set. Overall, a content sprint is an effective tool for boosting your content creation efforts and taking your online business up and beyond where you're currently at right now. So if you feel like you're kind of facing a wall, this is one of the best ways to get over that wall. By committing to content sprints as a core strategy, you can do four things. Yes, this is our why use a content sprint section. So thing number one, you can elevate your online business to a new level of sophistication. For people who do strategy work, for consultants, for people who provide services online, content sprints are one of the most effective ways to produce evergreen-worthy content that can, one, help you establish authority in your niche, but two, be something that you can lean on again and again so that you can get off that content creation hamster wheel we were talking about a little while ago. Number two, they're going to boost your productivity. They're going to be great for improving your quality, your consistency, the productivity of your content creation process. They can help you generate new ideas. They can help you explore different formats and new strategies that you might not have gotten to in your regular posting schedule. The third thing that they're going to help you do is they're going to help you increase your SEO. By consistently producing fresh, good quality, valuable content, a business can commit to an SEO campaign, if you will. You can increase your website's visibility. You can build your authority in search engines. This is going to help you attract more organic traffic down the road. Again, lean on that evergreen content and build a loyal audience over time. This is a long-term strategy. The fourth thing is it's going to help you stay competitive in an increasingly crowded service market. I know that you've probably already heard, and if you haven't, go back and listen to it, my episode on AI content creation. It covered my worries about AI, about a race to the bottom, about how if everyone's using the same AI tools, we're just going to end up with a whole lot of noise in this online world. So committing to a content sprint as one of your strategies will help you stay competitive. It can help you stay ahead of your competition by providing a steady stream of relevant and engaging content for your audience. And it can help you save time and resources since you're doing it in a condensed time period while still making that high quality content that you need to compete. So not to hit this metaphor too hard on its head, let's lace up those runners and get to designing our sprint, shall we? This is basically the episode of fours, by the way, because I had four reasons why you want to employ a content sprint. And now we're going to talk about the four steps to setting up your content sprint. All right. So step number one, goals, smart goals, preferably, but you want to set up a goal for your content sprint. Maybe it is creating new content for a content bucket that you feel like you just haven't represented very well, or one that's pivoting and shifting a little bit. Maybe your social media presence has some gaps. Maybe your content sprint is literally just to say, hey, I'm going to be on LinkedIn this year and I've never really done that before. Or maybe you're going to build a user-friendly sales journey of content so that a cold audience member can kind of walk through and build up that no like trust factor with you in an organic, really well thought out way. 
These would all be valuable content sprint objectives, by the way. So that's step number one. Number two, once you've defined your goals, you want to create a detailed plan and map it out. If you have a team helping you with this, and even if you don't normally employ a team, you might want to during the sprint so that you're supported really well since it is an intense time period. If that's the case, you're going to want a sprint planning meeting with your team before you start diving in, right? So planning is that second step. The third one is going to be regular progress monitoring. You know I love content measurement and there's a reason I like it. I want to make sure everything we do actually has some ROI for your business and I want to make sure that we're not wasting time. So whatever content measurement tool you choose, make sure you're able to track engagement levels with your content. And if you've done a previous sprint, make sure that you can compare and contrast them. Finally, fourth step, which isn't so much a step as a reminder, it's important to be flexible and adjust as necessary. You might need to tweak your approach, especially if you're measuring content and realize things aren't trending in a direction that you prefer. With careful planning, execution, and yes, monitoring, a successful content sprint will take your online business to new heights. And that said, let's start by deciding on a sprint length. This is probably the stickiest part of this whole episode here. If you are a team of one or just two or three even, I'm going to suggest you only do a shorter sprint, max of two weeks. You need to do that as your first one so that you can kind of get your training wheels, if you will. Now, just because your content sprint lasts only one or two weeks doesn't mean that the actual content that's distributed will only go out for one or two weeks. It might go out for six or 12. It can be really whatever you decide it's going to be based on how you want to spread things out. But your creation portion of this should be condensed to a short time period so that you can, one, live your life and to not hate me and throw projectiles at me next time you see me at a conference or something, right? If you have a larger team or a more complex project or it has multi-steps and multi-objectives, you might be in for a longer sprint, maybe four weeks, maybe even up to six weeks would be a better one for you. Most of the time when I work with clients to create their content sprint, we end up working really intensely for about two weeks And then that lasts for about 12 weeks of content. So when I'm working with someone who's like a therapist or a website designer or a holistic coach, something like that to flesh out their cornerstone content, I will often look at their content buckets and I'll break those three or so content buckets into, you know, four or so subtopics each. I'm going to plan out each of those subtopics to walk their audience through a trust building journey. And it's going to be mapped out to weekly long form digital content like a blog post or a podcast episode, something like this even, right? And then from there, I'm going to break out a few subpoints from each week's long form content into social media posts or other derivatives where we can distribute and gain eyes on those chosen platforms. So if you did the math there as I breeze through it, that's about 12 weeks of content. Yes, it sounds long. That's like three months, right? But you can plan it all in two weeks. And if you have some support, especially if you have the support of a content strategist, you can potentially batch it all in two weeks as well. My goal is that you're making the most of your content sprint because here's the deal. First things first, we have to get that planning hat on. I already referenced it once or twice, so I'm going to do it again here. We have to have that planning hat on so we can be consistent and organized. No more content chaos. We're not going to make the most of our content sprint if we don't know where everything is going and when it's going to be delivered. Long-term success here is our goal. Going viral is not. 
And every sprint is going to end up with some distractions. So if you find that there are topic areas that are not covered during the sprint and you're feeling a little bit of shiny object syndrome, schedule them for a future sprint so you can get all those bases covered but not get off track. I don't want you falling down the rabbit hole of everything related to your niche or your topic, right? I want you to use your content sprint for the intended goal, move through it so you, one, can actually cross that finish line, and two, feel accomplished and see the measured results of what this particular marketing activity, this content sprint, has done for your business. The goal, of course, is making sure your pipeline is always full. We're not going to get that done by getting off track. And one of the best ways to stay on track is batching your content. Every sprint starts with the idea that you'll be creating more content and copy in less time. Your normal business systems might not be enough here. You might have to employ specific batching time periods where you say, okay, for this hour and a half long period, I am going to do all the emails for this content sprint, or I'm going to do all of the square Instagram posts here, or I'm going to do all of the YouTube shorts for this particular part over here. That's going to help you stay productive. It's going to help you if you're outsourcing work to freelancers by being more cost effective because you're giving work to them in chunks and they can be more productive as a result, right? Another thing you might want to do to streamline your creation process here is considering a style guide or outlines that are really tailored to your workflow. I'm not talking about buying one of those 365 days of content prompts things. I'm saying something that you use in your business. For example, Personally, I almost always follow the hook, line, and sinker template when I write my emails to my list. Specifically, I do it when I'm writing my podcast emails. I hook them in with an idea or a story. I move them along the line by fleshing out that metaphor, telling what that story really applies to their life. And then the sinker is that CTA, right? It's saying, here's where you get the rest. Here's where you satiate your curiosity. Here's where you get the five tips, whatever it might be. Now, it's a flow my readers have come to expect, but it also takes that blank white screen horror out of the mix. And I'm saying that because anytime you sit down to write one video script, it's a job and you get it done. Maybe it's hard. Maybe it's not. But if I tell you to sit down and write five, that like blinking cursor of doom is a whole lot bigger for some reason, right? So when you have a style guide or a outline that you can normally follow for each, you have a place to start. And it takes some of that immediate hardness out of the picture. Finally, remember to take breaks, recharge. I do not want you to come for me. If you need to incorporate something like the Pomodoro technique to force yourself to take breaks, there's a reason it works, you know? Another way you can make the most of your content sprint is leaning on the evergreen content you've already created. If you already have great content, don't recreate it. Use it. I mean, yeah, optimize it as part of the sprint, but don't make more work for yourself. Optimizing it might just be looking at your keyword research and saying, are there any gaps in this particular topic area? And then adding in content to the gap in already existing articles and things like that. Or it might be creating some videos or infographics for content you already have out there and then using those pieces to bolster the social media presence for those particular topics. Content audits are going to help you figure out what you need to do here. But the point is, if you're creating a content sprint to work in and around already existing topics, don't make your job harder here. Okay, so before we close out here, I just want to cover 
a couple potential pain points. And and there's the common ones. Anytime you talk about embracing a new project, especially a sprint type project, time management, maintaining quality, uh, creative ideas and generating new ideas, and then consistency, those are all very normal problems. And I'm not going to cover them here in this episode because I've covered them in previous episodes in the past. But with a little strategic mojo, your content sprints will work. Flexibility and preparedness are the names of the game here so that you can nail these content sprints. And there's two big problems with content sprints specifically that I do want to cover. One is avoiding burnout, and then the other one is dealing with unexpected changes. So burnout is real. You know, yes, content sprints can be incredibly effective for increasing productivity and output, but burnout is real and it's going to occur if you don't manage your time and workflow effectively. I have had clients hit week six of a 12-week content sprint and they've they, they give me that face. You know, the face that says, I know this is good for me, but right now it feels hard. And friends, I get that. Like, truly, I feel that. And that is not what I want. So maybe your 12-week sprint becomes a 15-week sprint so you can build in three weeks of rest in between. Maybe it means you're only doing one content creation burst per day during that two-week generation process, right? You need to do what works for you. I am not you. I have a different capacity than you are, and I have a different life than you have. So with that, I want to make sure that if you need teamwork and if you need someone to delegate to, that you have that opportunity. Don't be afraid to pass the baton, if you will, to someone. And yes, I worked really hard to get that runner's terminology in there. Former track baton relay runner right here, if you can't tell. My point here, though, is I want you to have a healthy work-life balance. The idea of a content sprint is not to create more work for you. It is to give you freedom in the future. But if you can't get to that future, it's not going to work at all. So we want to make sure that the content you create in the sprint actually is something you can come to rely on. We have to get there. And you might want to slow your sprint down. That is okay. The other big problem that often comes up is unexpected changes. So maybe there's a shift in priorities, especially if it's a longer content sprint, or maybe we have new information, i.e. cough, cough, you've measured your content and things aren't performing the way you'd hoped that we need to now incorporate. Uh, Last year, I was working with a career coach and we had to pivot mid sprint because the end of the year is commonly a time for her clients to have performance reviews. And we didn't have any topics covered in her original content plan. So with that said, change is okay. And change is encouraged. Anything typed can be deleted. Anything written, erased. It's important to stay flexible and adaptable. And we can always make an eight-topic plan into a seven-topic plan if something's no longer relevant. And on the flip side, we can make a 10-topic plan out of it if we need to add more nuance on any of our subjects. We've covered measuring content pretty extensively on my blog. Go find the show notes for that. We've also covered it in this episode. I'll, I'll link those in the show notes as well. But whether you have a content measurement dashboard set up or not, you absolutely want to be measuring your website traffic, your engagement rates on socials, and your conversion rates during this time period. Tracking metrics is good. It's also worthless without analyzing the results. You set your goals at the contents per outset, and now it's time to make sure that those goals have been accomplished. All that said, I love content sprints for getting you a boost of momentum and getting the content that will book you jobs and build you leads out there. So if you're ready to share the sophistication and you're ready to evergreen and elevate your business, let's talk about creating 
your content sprint today. Let's co-create. Let's get you these benefits we've talked about here with the support you need to cross the finish line. With that said, you guys, I'll see you next week. I'm pretty sure next week is the last episode in our Shiny Happy Tactics series, and I'm so excited to share it with you. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams, and we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.